Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm your host, the hot rod farmer from New Jersey, from Cat Swamp Road. And I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. And hopefully, God willing, as everything is going well in your operation. I'm going to get to business very quickly because we have an interesting show today. But I'm not going to tell you about it yet. But I have to give a pin in my map to Mr. Brian Sanson. And he is from Chit... uh, Chittenango, Chittenango. I killed the name of your town, sir. Chittenango, New York. And I and he reached out to me, and he is in the drawing for a hot rod farmer license plate. And I have a pin now in Chittenango. I I could find it on the map easier than I could pronounce it, so I apologize for that. But thank you so much, Mr. Sanson, for listening. And we have two winners to announce because remember we have winners every week, two winners, and we have Mr. Adam. I'm going to pronounce it Joachim, and it's J-O-A-C-H-I-M. I don't think I have another Mr. Joachim, but this Mr. Joachim lives and listens from Knack Neck, Alaska. So I'm so excited about uh, Mr. Joachim winning a hot rod farmer license plate and getting it up there in Alaska. I dreamt as a young man, to, and I still dream about going to visit Alaska. And uh, hopefully, God willing, I could get there one day. And then we have on the complete other end of the spectrum, Mr. Corey Dombrowski, and he hails in Lehigh Acres, Florida. So we got Alaska and Florida this week. That's really, that's amazing. So, uh, and I believe Mr. Dombrowski works for a seed company. He's a researcher at a seed company, a vegetable seed company. And then also, I want to just tell you about, I, oh, I got so excited about this show, I forgot to tell you. You know we get together every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, and then again Sunday at 3 p.m. exclusively on Sirius XM Channel 147 Rural Radio. And if you missed the show, no worries. You could either go to my website, or you could go to Stitcher, or iHeartRadio, and I think Google Podcasts and something else, I'll find out more. And then all of the back episodes, one week after they air, will be up there. So at the, today's show, you're probably going to want to listen to a couple of times because there's going to be a lot of good information. I'm not giving, telling you what it is yet, but I also want to invite you to listen to my On the Road podcast because this week, and by the time you hear this show, it'll already be posted to all the podcast sites, and it is On the Road to Matt Hagen. And if you're a hot rod farmer, you may know that name, because Matt Hagen is a three-time world champion funny car driver, and he has a store of just a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, history in drag racing, but more importantly, he is the hot rod farmer. I call myself that, but he is the hot rod farmer because he farms 3,700 acres or 3,400 acres in Virginia. So please, please check that out. But, you know, if you've been a listener for a while or you listen to my Idle Chatter podcast, then you know that my tagline is where steel and soil meet. And, you know, people believe in that one guy got back to me and says to me, well, you really shouldn't till the soil, so that shouldn't be your tagline. But anyway, you know, that interface is truly going to happen today with my guest for this Getting to Know episode. Both of you, both you and I are going to learn about a company that created an extremely low application rate biological and we're going to discuss the equipment that they worked with during the development and discussing this product. 
So this is going to be truly an episode where agronomy meets machinery. You know, and just as in engineering, you know, you know, I come from the automotive industry, you know, precise data during the development of an agronomic product is critical, just like anything else. You know, if the data is not any good, it's worthless. Forget about it. You might as well shoot from the hip. You know, but a lot of farmers don't look at, look at it that way. But the key in this particular instance is the machinery to get the, the precise data to be able to develop this particular product. And you say, what company are you working with today? Well, the company is Sound Agriculture and the product we, we, we will be discussing is called Source. You know, and since I farm too, and planting season is just around the bend, right? But it was 20 degrees this morning. I welcome with great pride, Mr. Rich Haynes, and he's the senior agronomist from Sound. Welcome, Rich, to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. Thank you very much. I really appreciate uh, you having me on today. Well, that's great. I, I appreciate you coming on. We want to learn all about source. We want to learn about how you went about you know, using the equipment, the interface, and I'm really, really, really excited about it because this is a, a, a revolutionary product, and also it's like the application rate is so low, it's like building a ship in a bottle. You know, when, you, when you're doing, when you're doing well, traditional rates of application to crop protection or fertility or what have you, it's kind of easy. It's like hitting stuff with a head. Well, it's like, let's drop the bomb someplace as long as we blow up the building. But you guys are dropping <laughs> the bomb down the chimney, right? And then you're saying you got to drop it down the chimney sideways, not just straight. We got to drop it down it sideways. So you are precision and i am so excited about you coming on here and telling sharing with the audience not only all about source but how you went about doing it but before we do that we're gonna have to go to a commercial break so please everybody sit pat get your ears ready because we're gonna learn about precision application of foliar products Garth Brooks chooses every song on the Garth Channel. Pop, rock, R&B, and country. But sometimes he forgets who's boss. Garth Brooks here. It's funny, I was driving yesterday with my wife and like five songs in a row played. And they were like my five favorite songs. And I go, dang, that's cool. She goes, honey, you program the channel. Check out Channel 55, the Garth Channel, only on Sirius XM or outside the car with the SXM app. I love the Garth Channel. Crew, let's ranch it up. Join me, Jeff Tigger Earhart. Tigger. Every week, right here on the Ranch It Up radio show, we talk the cow stuff. Some rodeo action. Cowboys. Markets. The latest cow country news, sale barn reports, and everything in between. The Ranch It Up radio show every Saturday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, right here, Rural Radio Channel 147 on Sirius XM. This is a Dairy Radio Minute. Lessons learned in 2021 in the dairy industry. And that data just came out in the last couple of weeks, and it's got some interesting guidelines for our listeners here. The first half of the year was uh, quite positive. We saw milk production actually increasing there. And in the second half of the year, we backed off. Some of that is due to the high feed costs we're experiencing, drought conditions, and strong cold call prices. Overall production is up a little more than 1% here in the U.S. Normally that's around 2 
We have 29,858 herds in the United States, and that's down 6%, and that's kind of a normal trend annually here in the U.S. Our cow numbers have also declined down to 9.37 million cows, and we're down about 134,000 cows, which explains why our milk yields have gone down slightly as well. That's Dr. Mike Hutchins, and I'm Bill Baker with a Dairy Radio Minute. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm your host, that guy from Cat Swamp Road, that farmer from New Jersey. But today, as I said in the opening segment, in case you missed it, this is truly where steel and soil meet, but agronomy and steel meet. And we have Mr. Rich Haynes from Source and Rich, tell us tell us about your background. I know you worked for uh, Agco, and then let's get going. I want to learn. About, I'm really interested about learning about this product because we raise sweet corn. Nice, Ray. Thanks for having me on. You just real quick. Uh, like I say, I'm a senior agronomist for Sound Agriculture. I live in Northern Indiana. Uh, my background, real quick, is I worked at Agco and Topcon uh, for about 15 years. Really focused on uh, data management, variable rate, precision agriculture, uh, and then you know I had the opportunity to move to the imagery space, uh, and I was just actually ended up at Tyrannus helping with some AI-assisted precision scouting and nutrient pest and disease management. I had the opportunity to come here to sound as they were getting really going on the agronomy side. Um, and my director, uh, Jeff Diving Farms in Northern Iowa, I uh, work really closely with him and he brought me over to help um, with the agronomy team here for the Eastern U.S. And that really, your background at Agco and the other company, and I think you had a little bit of AI background, you were telling me off the air, right? Didn't you do some stuff with some artificial intelligence? Really probably came of great value as you were trying to to uh, test these low application rate products. And, and you know, just tell us, how low is the rate? <laughs> well, that's a great question, but here, real quick. Yeah, so the AI side was with Trana. So that was on focused on aerial imagery and applications of how that would impact uh, remote and digital scouting. So with sound and with source, what we do. So source is a microbial activator. So it works with what's already living in your field, already living in that microbiome, that six to nine inches of subsoil. So that microbiome has gotten lazy, uh, for lack of a better word, over time because of applications of synthetics. So what Source does is we mimic a naturally occurring plant signal and amplify it. So you may have heard our marketing stuff around being caffeine for microbes uh, to reinvigorate that natural process that's gone dormant to fix atmospheric in between 25 and 50 units. And the same time, solubilizing phosphorus 20 to 40 pounds, depending on some soil condition. Now, as you mentioned, super low use rate. And how do we fit this in with machinery? So fully applied, you know, rides in the tank on the post of the fungicide pass with a 0.7 fluid ounce an acre use rate. So we can chat here a little bit about, uh, you know, some spring applied N and P and some considerations around strip no-till and things like that. So 0.7, so not even three quarters of an ounce per acre. Is, is, right, it, very low use rate. Now that's what probably about 20, 20 uh, milliliters, or is that is that is that more or less twenty milliliters? How much is that in in, in metric? Yeah, mo- yeah, more or less. Wow, that's a you know we're feeding we're feeding some kittens here, so I really am working with twenty milliliters every day. So to to think that you have to put that over an acre that 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 is amazing. So so I'm I'm all ears. Tell me more about it, please. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we do have two products, source corn, source soybean. Um, 
you know, source corn, uh, it's a stable chemistry. So like I said, there's, there's not a living microbe in there. So it's, it's a shelf stable for two year chemistry and we activate the microbes that are already in the soil. Um, very similar on the soybean side. So it's, uh, 2.5 ounces an acre. So it's a little bit different, but we sell those in, uh, gallons on the corn side. So a gallon covers 183 acres and on the soybean side, it's in two and a half, uh, two and a half covers around 125 acres. Um, and we usually sell those by a case. So a case of corn, four gallons, uh, you know, 510 acres on the bean side. And then one of the neat things that I'll mention here again, as we get toward the end is we have a, a placement tool. So number one, we try to be on the acres that we're going to win the best. And we can talk about how that helps on the machine side as well. Uh, and then we also guarantee it. So our product does work. We are very comfortable saying that it works in many different scenarios. Uh, and we'll put our money behind that. So uh, if you will go with us, we'll work with you and, and guarantee a money back guarantee on our products. Uh, if you work with us on a little bit of acreage. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Now, let me ask you, do you, does that, does that rate stay fixed regardless of what the soil test looks like? That rate does stay fixed, you know, but like I said, with our performance uh, optimizers, what we call it, so it's a placement tool. We look at pH organic matter, CEC, uh, and then we try to chat with some folks around their end usage. So this is where we talk about, hey, are you doing spring or fall applied in? Are you doing anhydrous? Are you doing 28? What are, are you doing manure? What are all you doing? And what's your total pounds of N per bushel, you know, NUE score? Uh, and then we kind of just rate it off of that NUE of where source would work the best. So okay. it's soil condition plus nitrogen. Yeah, and I just want to reestablish to the audience that this is foliar applied because so many people, and me me included, are used to putting a biological on the soil, not so much on the plant. So this is usually using the plant, and I'm an engine guy, so I'll probably say this wrong, you're the, you're the agronomist. It's using the plant as a transport mechanism out through the roots to actually wake up the, the, uh, the microbes in the soil. Is that correct? Right. That's exactly right. Um, you know, the one thing I want to mention there is so, so we get lumped in a lot, but we're not technically a microbial product. Okay. We don't, like I said, there's no living microbes right, in the joke. Okay. So we say nutrient use efficiency. We're focused on how to make what's in the soil more available. Okay. Like, you know, we've been, we've been driving across the fields a lot, you know, say you're putting down anhydrous or say you're putting right. down uh, MAP or, or MES, whatever your, your phosphorus choice is, you know, a lot of that, whether it's nitrogen you know, you're leaching or you're denitrifying a pretty big percentage. Your phosphorus, you're locking up whether you're high or low pH with calcium, lumen, iron, some of those kind of things. So what we're trying to do is make that ground-bound nutrient more available to the plant without having to apply more synthetic. Okay. Now, this is, is soil compaction from driving on the field, or is that is that going to limit sources ability to to invigorate those microbes so if a person was not good about their tire pressure right i mean we talk about your people aren't good about tire pressure you got a lot of compaction that they shouldn't have how does that impact sources actions so you know when you start talking about compaction yes i mean the microbes are still there and we do help stimulate root growth because we act well we don't tell the plant to grow bigger roots but we provide nutrient access so that is one of the byproducts um, but with that, even in, in heavy compacted soils, you know, you see those roots pan out instead of getting right. down to where some of those nutrients are. Yeah. So, you know, I will say that if, say you're using a, a strip till bar or you're a, you're in a no-till situation where you're, you know, you're making passes across the field and maybe not doing a, 
a rip to, to or freshen those rows up, then that is something that you would be concerned about because you are going to have some yield drop off as your compaction goes up. So okay. I like, you know, when you start talking about like controlled traffic and you know, making sure you're driving in the same places every time, you know, every few years, even if you're in like a strip till scenario, it may be worth, uh, you know, going in there, uh, running through that with some tillage just to make sure uh, everything is, is freed up for that nutrient mobility through the soil. Okay. Now, uh, then is the, do you have a specific tip nozzle selection to use? Um, so basically it's, it's going to be carried on by the water and whatever, whether it's a fungicide or a herbicide that somebody's putting on the plant. But what I'm concerned with is, uh, you know, how did you go about developing this little, this, 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 with, with your sprayer, with your testing, how did you go about developing such a a low use rate, three not even three quarters of an ounce per acre? <laughs> so that's a good question as well. So you know, this is we're coming into the fourth commercial season uh, for source corn, but when it all started, I'll just take one step back. You know, so there was a lot of stuff done in the lab, and they tested. We've tested rates from you know a half half ounce all the way up to you know two and a half, three ounces, um, and just tried to see in the lab looking at microbial response and yield responses and how everything panned out. And then we moved that into field conditions where we knew we were working with guys uh, that had consistent nozzles, you know, usually using 20 inch uh, nozzle spacing. Um, we didn't really define droplet size because what we're really concerned about is uh, leaf coverage. So as long as you're getting good leaf coverage uh, and leaf penetration. So, we say we like that free ride, right? So we always want to go along when you're making your pass for your post, where you're making your pass for your fungicide or Voltima, um, if you're going with a pre-tassel. But one of those things uh, that we, we try to focus on is, um, you know, where can, we, where can we fit the best and how do we make it the easiest as you're making that pass across the field? So that's why we say, you know, just ride along in the tank right. uh, and you'll be good to go. So now when you were doing your development work before you came to market with it and you're like, there's, there's somebody, there's some commonalities between engineering, especially engines, which I come from in agriculture, because you know, what works in a lab half the time doesn't work in the road, <laughs> vice versa. Yeah, yeah. So, sometimes it works really good on the road and looks lousy on the lab. So, uh, did you have, did you have the, the product source in with a, a fungicide or, or a herbicide or something, or were you using it just with water? And what about uh, is the specific gravity of the tank mix partners uh, and its surface tension? Is that very critical with sources? Is there anything there that we need to look at? Because I think personally, coming from an engine side of it, I, and I may be a thousand percent wrong, I think the next frontier is looking at specific gravity and surface tension as far as tank mix partners. But you're the agronomist, I'm just a hot rod farmer. <laughs> uh, you know, I think, you know, when you, when you think about tank mixing, the big thing that we look at is pH. Um, now, so we do mix, like I said, with herbicides and fungicides. We've gone in, we've jar tested, we've applied in field with a lot of different things dicambas, you know, all, all sorts of different, different things kind of across the spectrum. Um, you know, we just look at, you know, source is, uh, does have an oil-based dispersion. So that's, it's, uh, kind of the mix is a little bit of a, like, kind of a vegetable. It's kind of like a pancake batter when you look at the consistency. Um, so it doesn't clog nozzles. We've never had any problem with that. We just say, you know, looking at pH source doesn't really like very alkaline mixes. So when you start getting to seven or above on the pH, 
Uh, just get your tank mixed at first, get your water in, agitate it, add source in last, and you should be good to go. Okay, Daryl. With, oh, with real, oh, 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 sorry, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. It's, it's your episode. <laughs> uh, no, just the other half of your question there. You would say we have had people do it with water. We do have people do it with water. Uh, we just say, you know, 10 or 11 gallon when you're on the ground, uh, whatever your minimum flow rate for your sprayer, okay. just to make sure you keep get consistent pressure. But we do say, you know, we want leaf coverage and we want penetration. So if you have hard water, uh, then, you know, yes, we would say use something like an ionic surfactant or a conditioner just to make sure that you get leaf coverage and we're getting that product into the leaf because it does translocate down into the root zone. Okay. So now, as and it's so basically, in essence, I, I like the term you said, which riding along with everything. So as far as this, the, the pressure, the nozzle, t- the nozzle, flow rate the uh basically would all be set for or not would be chosen i should say is probably a better word not set would be chosen for whatever the foliar product is being put on and the reason why i asked you about just riding along with water is because i know in the audience we do have a number of organic farmers and they may so is this certified to use in an organic operation um, good question, and, and no, unfortunately. So source corn is a chemistry. It's a stable. Uh, it is a patented chemistry, but it is a chemistry. So uh, that one cannot be, unfortunately, uh, labeled for organic. Now, source soybean, uh, that is a polyphenol-derived flavonoid. So there is a possibility that that could be organic, but I wouldn't recommend doing it yet as we haven't gotten that certification. Okay. But we have we started down that road chatting with some Omri folks to see if that might be possible. Okay. So now the thing basically is, is that, is there any fear of over application? Because I know that, uh, that, you know, there's some farmers like anything in life, they, 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 you know, they pour some in it, or they measure it and they don't, they don't understand parallax error when you're looking at something at an angle that it <laughs> reads differently. You know what I'm saying? So what happens if the farmer got a little bit more aggressive or he, or whatever, his wife rode by and blew the horn and, and while he was pouring in and, and, the, and the jug, the jug shook. Is there any concern with that? Nope. That's one of the nice things about sources, because like I said, we're a microbial activator. We're not like a sugar uh, we're not a microbial food. We're not a fertilizer. There's nothing in there that can burn or damage a plant. So if you did accidentally pour a little bit in, the only thing you really have to worry about is wasted product. You know, the, so you're, is, you're, you're like I like to say your pocketbook, right? That's yeah. A, that's all yeah. you have to say. <laughs> listen, listen, this is this is fantastic. We're going to have to just go go to a break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to finish up about this product and how the inf- the interface of steel and agronomy in the farm. of agriculture kansas farm bureau with legislators on spring break rural kansans have a great opportunity to advocate for a rural housing appropriation before lawmakers return to topeka to finish the state's budget so says kansas farm bureau's greg doring kansas farm bureau was one of 20 organizations to ask for a one-time spending authorization for the kansas housing resources corporation to support programs in counties with fewer than 60,000 people 
This investment would be the first step in addressing a shortage of rural housing and facilitating economic development in those areas. Kansas Farm Bureau encourages residents to engage with their representatives and senators and encourage them to support the appropriation. The money will leverage private investment and go a long way toward lowering barriers for economic development in rural Kansas. Listen again here for more from the Voice of Agriculture, Kansas Farm Bureau. RFD-TV brings the ag industry news you care about. A lot of producers really looked at the hope Mm -hmm. of being able to get this deal done. Tailored forecasts for farmers and ranchers. You can see the pockets of red across Texas. That has become a problem. And going forward in time, we just don't have a lot of rainfall headed that way. Live, direct reports from the trading floor with expert market analysis. We have Oliver Slope standing by, and he is with Blue Line Futures. Well, the the outside markets are going to be the the driving factor and the focal point in this week's trade. A focus on Washington ag policy. RFD-TV's Emily Buck joins us from our Washington, D.C. News Bureau. The president reaffirms his commitment for rural America, supporting farmers through the pandemic. And live reports from across the nation. See lots of fun and exciting stories, especially lots of hard work that goes into this. Stories you'll find only on RFD TV, celebrating our 20th year as Rural America's most important network. Boy, this sure goes fast, but I got to get I got Rich here from Sound Agriculture. Rich, please tell us how how the audience can learn more about your product. Is there a website or anything? Absolutely. Please check us out online at sound.ag. We have a number of uh, resources up there and we have a number of videos on YouTube as well. Okay. Now, since you did so much research with this and we're, we're talking about where machinery and soil interface, please share with my audience some of the knowledge that you've gleaned over the years with working with, with tillage equipment and strip till and what have you, please. Absolutely. Real quick here. So, you know, we focus on that microbiome. So anytime that we can help reduce tillage practice, uh, it's something that we really look towards. So if you have the opportunity to go to strip or no-till, you know, think about things like shanks versus coulters. You know, shanks not necessarily not in the spring because you're going to get more smearing, move product to the surface. If you're in wet soil, we talked about compaction, especially if you're using coulters. Uh, that's something you really need to consider. Uh, if you're no-till, you know, make sure your openers are sharp. Make sure your cleaners or your trash whips are just touching the surface because you don't want to flip all your fertilizer out of the row. Uh, one thing I will mention is soil sampling. So in and by the band to get accurate fertility, to get concise pop-up application, you know, whether you're doing uh, polyphosphate or whether you're doing um, like a starter with a 318.18 or a 624.6, and then horsepower. If you're doing strip till or no-till, make sure a general rule, 30 horsepower per row. Uh, and then I highly recommend RTK for controlled traffic and for your NH3 knife, knife offset and your seed placement. Well, that's great. And those are common mistakes that you've seen a lot of people. And I'm sure that you really paid attention to that on your test plots because otherwise your data would be useless. Exactly. Yeah, we, we do you know, try to check data very closely. So you know, we work with a number of different monitors uh, and then you know, making sure that seeds get in the ground correctly, proper depth, um, you know, downforce is consistent, make sure we get product applied evenly and we get data back off with you know, and that's actually where there's, uh, you know, like I say, it's like to say where the steel and soil meet because it's a really, it's an interface 
It's a marriage between machinery and agronomy. And that's why I'm so glad that I had you on the show today. Let me ask you one other question because the show's almost over. But can we use this on sweet corn? You can, yes. Uh, source corn is labeled on pretty much all types of field sweet and silage corn. Um, and then soybeans, you know, like we said, labeled on the soybean side. So, All right, listen, thank you so much, Rich. Stay in the line. And the Hot Rod Farmer wants you to know that he's pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher. This is Mark Oppold with an American Agriculture History Minute, brought to you by AgriLiquid. What you harvest this fall depends on nutrition given to your crop today. The team at AgriLiquid will help in key areas where fertilizer dollars can help you the most. Learn more at agriliquid.com. Benjamin Franklin was appointed the first Postmaster General in 1775. He held that position for one year before he was sent to France as a diplomat with the British. Samuel Osgood is known as the first Postmaster General of the new United States of America under the Constitution in 1789. By that time, there were 75 post offices located along the East Coast, routes from Florida to Maine. It would not be easy, though, to extend mail delivery as the new nation pushed westward. That's today's American Agriculture History Minute. I'm Mark Oppold. Hi, this is Red Stegall. I want you to join me every Saturday morning at 7 o'clock Eastern, and together we'll explore the life of the American cowboy through his poetry and his music on Cowboy Corner Collections. These are shows that we've recorded and aired over the past two decades, including the music and poetry of our friends as well as myself and the boys in the bunkhouse. With stories by America's great storytellers, join me as we ride through the West on Cowboy Corner Collections, Saturday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern on Rural Radio. I'm Chip Flory, and every weekday on AgriTalk, we tackle the day's news with a panel of experts and lawmakers at the forefront of the issues, and we connect you with the information that you need. If it's related to ag, we're talking about it on AgriTalk, weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central on Rural Radio 147 and on the Sirius XM app. Hi, this is Buck Trent from Hee Haw, and you're listening to Rural Radio 147 on Sirius XM.